Spirit. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by the only and by the only We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us. Renew us and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all of your sin. As a called and ordained servant of the Word, I therefore forgive you all of your sin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
pray. O God, whose strength is made perfect in weakness, grant us humility and childlike faith that we may please you in both will and deed. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The reading of the Holy Scriptures for this, the 16th Sunday after Pentecost, the Old Testament reading appointed for us from the prophet Jeremiah, the 11th chapter. The Lord made it known to me, and I knew. Then you showed me their deeds. But I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not know it was against me they devised schemes, saying, let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name be remembered no more. But, O Lord of hosts, who judges righteously, who tests the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them. For to you have I committed my cause. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. reading from St. James, the third chapter. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable and gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? It is, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, and so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is... To no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace. And therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Bend your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. According to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. The disciples went on from there and passed through Galilee, and Jesus did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my, in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. This is the gospel of our Lord. Together now we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and descended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the cross. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come.
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text from the ninth chapter of St. Mark, the Holy Gospel, these words, And when they came to Capernaum, and he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about which was the greatest. And he sat down, and he called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last and the servant of all. And he took a child, and he put the child in the midst of them, and taking the child up in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. Most interesting, isn't it, that here we have in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, each of them reporting the incident that we read about in the Gospel for the day. Each of them reports in their own way the argument that took place, or that an argument took place between the disciples as they walked along the road. It's interesting. Because not a one of them, though, though they report the fact of the argument, not a one of them reports the details of the argument that ensued between the disciples. No details about it, no blow-by-blow description of the words that were exchanged as they tried to establish their position above the other. Nothing in retrospect at all about the argument that happened. They were, it, it, it's as though they were simply too embarrassed to even want to talk about it and any thought that the Holy Spirit might cause the, the very arguments that they had in the words exchanged to be recorded for all of history was certainly beyond their thinking. But it's most interesting that they don't record the substance of the argument that they had. And that's certainly understandable, because I can well imagine what that argument between the disciples must have had as they argued about who was the greatest. Can't you imagine Simon Peter saying, well, look, I really don't want to play this card, but after all, I am called the rock. Remember, he called me that. Petros, the rock, chief among the disciples, perhaps. I'm not just in the inner circle, but I'm the chief and the right-hand man. I'm the spokesman for the group. I'm the one who will make that great confession upon which he build his church. Come on, if you're looking for, if you're looking for someone who's greatest among us, well, well, Andrew then must have spoken up and said, well, wait a minute, dear brother. And he was, after all, the brother, remember, of Simon Peter. Wait, dear brother, let me remind you of something that you've obviously and conveniently forgotten. He called me to be his disciple before he called you. In fact, it's through me that he called you, introduced you to himself. But he called me first. In fact, it would be later on that history would call Andrew the Protoclete, the first called. He called me first. You wouldn't even be here, Peter, if it weren't for me. So let's get the order straight. I was here first. I was first. And then the older brothers, the other brothers, James and John, because Peter and Andrew weren't the only ones but brothers, but there were also Peter and, I mean, James and John who were there, who were called the sons of thunder, and they weren't called the sons of thunder for nothing. They bolt their way into the bait because both Peter and Andrew had said, you, you, you two are off course. 
You're out there fishing in the boat in Galilee all the time. You're fishing on the wrong side of the boat. You're missing the point. Greatness is measured by sacrifice, they would say. And look, we, the sons of Zebedee, we gave up much more than you did. We gave up a lucrative business. We gave up a fortune. We gave up all the money that we had in the bank that we sacrificed in order to follow Jesus. If we're going to talk about who's great, look at us. And somebody say something about money. And you can imagine St. Matthew probably thought that. Somebody say something about money. If you want to talk about money, fine. I, I can play that game. Let me tell you about giving up money. I made more money in a day of collecting taxes than all four of you fishermen working your fingers to the bone out there in that fishing boat. I made more collecting taxes, and yet I gave up all of that lucrative business in order to follow Jesus. So if you want to talk about who sacrificed the most materially, you're looking at him. The disciples of our Lord. We don't know what exactly the argument was that took place. We don't know what the exchange of words might have been, but what I've described certainly defines the character of each of those men in so many ways that it was tied to what they were and the occupations that they had. They did, though, argue about who was the greatest among them. They had that same condition that people in our day have, that you and I have, the condition of me-sickness, of eye-centeredness, of egocentrism that says, first and foremost, what's important in this world is me and what happens to me and to mine. Me-sickness that's in every man, woman, and child ever since our primordial mother and father, Adam and Eve, attempted to preempt God, putting themselves before him, concern for others, and it happens still. It's going to happen in the lives of every man, woman, and child until that last day on earth comes. Pandemic in nature it is. Much more pandemic than the swine flu that we're all considered about. It's a, it's a pandemic condition that spreads to all men of all places and affects us all in such amazing ways as we live. That knee sickness, and it's more pronounced indeed in some than it is in others. Remember the philosopher back in the 1960s who, who wrote a book on Rand, who wrote a number of books, but in one particular one entitled The Anthem, Rand describes how me-centered Rand had become. He says, I ask none to live for me, nor do I, nor do I live for others. I am done with the monster of the we, the, the word of firstum, of plunder, of misery, of falsehood and shame. And now I see the face of God. And I raise this God over all the earth, this God whom men have sought since men came into being, this God who will grant them joy, this God who will give them peace, and pride, this God, this one word, I. Rand makes man ultimately to be God. That's the me-sickness in its extreme, but it's a bug that's bitten us all, not to the extreme that Rand had it. But it certainly still has bitten us all, congenital spiritual disease, a hereditary condition which found its origin in Adam and Eve and in their primal dissatisfaction with being second to anyone, even to God, a condition that passed on indeed to their first son, Cain, who murdered his own brother, 
because he couldn't stand the thought of being in second place, even that his brother's sacrifice unto God would have been more pleasing to God than his own, and so he murders him. Fratricide, homicide, genocide, infanticide, the senseless slaughter of others who might interfere with our designs and with our desires in life as human beings. You want something, you don't get it, St. James said in today's epistle lesson. And so what do you do? You kill, you murder. You can't have what you want and so you take. As one wise soul once said, it's human nature to secretly enjoy the inferiority of even our own friends. We'd like to think ourselves above all of that. We'd like to think that we've gained some degree of mastery over our selfish thoughts and putting ourselves before each other and yet how often it happens in our own lives and in our own relationships that we strive and we struggle with each other for what we individually want and what we insist upon pitting ourselves against each other as we compete with one another for control in our families, in our relationships, and the consequence, of course, of that pitting against one another, our destroyed relationships so often, hurting each other to get our own way, the ruin and the destruction and the disorder that has come to so many families and so many homes and so many relationships and friendships because we sinners have allowed this me-sickness, this I-centeredness to disrupt our lives together. That's what the Apostle James is talking about in our epistle lesson for today, when he says, for when you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and you find every sort of evil practice. What causes fights and what causes quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, he says, that battle inside of you? You want something, but you don't get it. And so you kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. And so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you don't ask, he says. And when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. You ask so that you may spend what you have on your own pleasures. I-centeredness, me-centeredness, egocentric. It won't work, James says. It won't work because, and then he goes on to state it so clearly. He says it won't work because God opposes the proud. Our Lord Jesus put it another way. When in lovingly confronting his 12 disciples for the foolishness that they were exchanging as they debated about who was the greatest among them, he sat them down and he took a small child that was there close by, lifted the small child, it says, up into his arms and looked at the child and said, whoever would be first must be last, must be the servant of all. And then taking that small child in his arms, he says, look at these, these little children, these little babes in arm, these little ones who stand in place. In fact, they don't even dare stand in place very long because they wouldn't be able to take a step were it not for someone there holding them, a stronger hand than their own. Look at the, at the little children, helpless as they are. Look at them. 
But a few days ago, I held my youngest grandson, little James Richard, in my arms to baptize him in the hospital. He's doing fine. He'll be coming home, thankfully, today. But we didn't want to wait another Sunday, having already waited one, to have him received by God and baptismal grace into the kingdom of God. So he's been baptized, but we'll celebrate that later. But you don't hold on to a little child in a neonatal center, intensive care unit, who's plugged up to all kinds of cords and tubes and electronic devices without thinking how helpless and how absolutely and utterly dependent they are for life and for living upon others that are about them. You don't hold on to infants in that kind of condition without thinking about how dependent they are. They, they cry when they're hungry. That's about all they can do. They, they don't even understand and know their immediate need. They have no pride, certainly, in themselves because there's nothing that they've done to accomplish. They don't even think of those things. They have no illusions of greatness. They have no selfish ambitions that drive them. They're simply little sinners that are there in the hands and in the mercy of God. No illusions of greatness. They're simply sinners in the hands of God, in the mercy of God, nothing more. Absolutely nothing with which they might impress him. No claim to fame, no claim to fortune, no credentials, no degrees, no successes that might make them look better than others. No decision that they made to follow the Lord Jesus. No record of service in his kingdom of which they might boast. Nothing at all in the eyes of the world that makes people greater, greater than others. And yet, what joy these little children bring to the lives and to the world. It's in such as these, Jesus says, it's such as these who are greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The only claim for fame that counts for anything there in heaven is the fame of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the only ones who have it are those who, like little children, are held securely in the arms of his grace and have nothing of themselves of which to boast, but can boast only in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so scripture says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And that's how he does it, through his son to those who stand helplessly as beggars before him, claiming nothing nothing at all of their own, but depending totally upon the grace in Christ that is given to them because of what he accomplished for them upon the cross and delivers to them. Such as these he takes into his arms and he blesses them and he unites them with himself through holy baptism wherein he puts Christ on them. He unites them to the work of Christ and the cross. Christ who came not, remember, scripture says to be served, but to serve and to give his life as the ransom for many. He who, St. Paul says, took on the form of a servant and humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death upon the cross for us. And he comes to us still today as a servant in his word to speak and comfort us in his sacrament here to give himself to us bringing us the blessings of that cross that he accomplished for us and giving it to you today in the very sacrament of the supper that you receive. Therein lies greatness. This is grace. Not that 
we came to him or have done anything at all for him, but rather that he has here come to us. And he here serves us still. This is greatness. This is the grace of God. That when it comes to your salvation and to mine, it's all his work. It's all what he has done. He redeemed me on the cross. He delivers to me from the cross all of the blessings that are mine, all that make me his forever. Oh Lord, if only we would all see that in our own lives and how it works its way out. I love that ancient legend that was told long time ago about a man who by God's grace was selfless in serving. Remember, it's only a legend, but it has a lesson that is told with it. But he was as loveless, this man was, this old man, as any mortal could be. He was so loved indeed by the angels that approaching the throne of God with wings covering their faces, they bowed down before God and they asked that God might give this man one special power, an angelic type of power that would be similar to their own. And so the legend goes that God permitted them to ask the man to make a choice of one angelic gift that he would most desire. Overjoyed for the man, a vanguard of angels leaves heaven, makes their way to the man's modest home, made their presence known to him, proceeded to tell him of their request. The Lord, they said, will bestow upon you, good sir, the gift of your choice. And to their surprise, the old man said, thank you, good sirs, but I'm content perfectly content with what he's already given me in Christ. I seek absolutely nothing more. Persistently, the angels urged him until finally, though reluctantly, he made this request. He said, I would ask then only this, for the power to do a great deal of good in this world without ever knowing what I have done, lest I'm distracted by it from the grace and from the goodness of my Lord. The angel smiled, they faded from sight, and ever thereafter, so the legend goes, the shadow of that man had wondrous healing power, and yet not when it was cast before him where he might see it, but only when it was cast and would fall behind him where he would never know of it at all. It's only a legend. But as I said, it's a legend with a lesson, because true greatness lies not in those who see or seek greatness in themselves, nor is it found in even those who do good for God and for others and find therein some claim to fame on earth or in heaven. True greatness, like that of little children, is to be found where the greatness of Jesus Christ is the only greatness known and where nothing that we do detracts even for a moment from it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Jesus, and for all people according to their need. We pray. Most holy and heavenly Father, who in greatest compassion for us sent your only begotten Son, receive our thanks that for our sakes Jesus Christ humbled himself to the point of death upon the cross, that with his resurrection eternal life would arise for the human race and would be freely given through your word and sacraments, by which you yet serve us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, who upholds your church, grant us confidence in your means of grace to do what you have invested them to do, in whom you've chosen to work, that your church may not be inclined to accommodate itself to the world, but stand as the bearer of light to the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, who alone governs your church, bless those who given to tend your flock, both those who assist in synodical and district organization, and the pastors who daily and weekly administer your means of grace. And bless the people of your flock, that all might abide in a spirit of deep humility, and be enabled to live and serve each other in love and a harmony that would reflect a unity in belief. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord God Almighty, bless the nations with peace. Bless all people with leaders who respect the rule of law and who execute justice with mercy and who work for the common good. Be with our president and governor, mayors, and all public servants. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father of the Lord Jesus, you instituted the family for the good of all. Bless all husbands and wives, parents and children, the single and widow, that the homes of your people may be places of faith and love in Christ. With Pastor and Barbara Bestel, we thank you for the 40 years of married life they recently celebrated, and we pray that your loving presence would continue to furnish the love that is present in their life together. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, who gladly receives children to yourself, we give thanks that through holy baptism you have received James Richard Trenery, the son of Neil and Michelle Trenery, into the number of those that stand to inherit the fullness of eternal life. Preserve James in the true faith throughout all his days, that he may, with all who know and confess you, enter one day into the promised paradise of the new heaven and earth. Protect also the unborn, that they too may be delivered in safety into this world, and then into the eternal safety of your church, through this blessed water and your word, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. O Lord God Almighty, all our needs are known to you. We ask that you would grant healing, relief, and peace to all the sick and suffering, including Ruth Allfeld, among others now named in our hearts. Be near to those near death. Let all who cry to you in need find the peace of your promises to uphold them in their time of trouble. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gentle Lamb of God, have compassion on all those whose hearts and minds are filled with anxiety. Give hope to those who battle depression. Sustain those in great uncertainty. Help us to resist the devil when he would wear on us in and under life circumstances. Help us all to be patient in waiting upon you and help us in unsettling hours to know the full consolation of your love and the depth and breadth of your might. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless those who today approach your table. 
that all so doing may receive your very body and blood in faith, trusting in its presence and the full forgiveness that you deliver therein. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you holy lord almighty father everlasting god through jesus christ our lord who having created all things took on human flesh and was born of the virgin mary for our sake he died on the cross and rose from the dead to put an end to death thus fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people therefore with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers. Deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Oh.